How's it going tonight, everybody? We are Three Dudes Reviews featuring Mike, Terry, and Fox. And also tonight, we have a special guest introducing Dan. Hey, everybody. It's Dan. Original founder, co-founder back in our old college radio days. Yeah. Dan also has a nickname, don't you, Dan? I do have a nickname. Why don't you inform them of it? Dan the Rant Man. (laughs) Why'd you get that nickname, Dan? Well, I got that nickname from, I don't know, I think... I went off on found footage films. That was my first rant, wasn't it? That's right. As above, so below, we were reviewing, and you talked for like almost 20 minutes all by yourself. (laughs) I do remember this. It was all out of love, though, to make the movie better. (laughs) (laughs) Tough love from the rant man. Well, yeah, it was funny because he he ranted for 20 minutes, and then afterwards he was like, I actually kind of like this movie, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's true. What can I say? Thanks for coming on and watching this movie with us tonight, Dan. Oh, yeah. So we decided, what did did we pick, Terry? Treat ourselves? Yeah, it's like movies you've been meaning to catch up on, like movies you've been wanting to see for a while, maybe you just haven't gotten around to it. Pretty much just pick whatever you want, what you're feeling. Yeah, yeah, treat yourself in the spirit of the holidays. Yeah, we're giving gifts to ourselves. We're so generous. We watched Solaris. This was your pick, wasn't it, Terry? That's right. I picked it. I've owned this movie for probably like six months, and I had not even opened it. The first unwrapping was <laughs> when we went to watch it yesterday. So, <laughs> yes, he literally unwrapped it while I watched. But uh, so I've got IMDb pulled up here. Um, Solaris came out in 1971. It is directed by Andre Tarkovsky. Did I say that right? Yep, I think that's right. It's got pretty high scores. It's got an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb and a 90 Metascore. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 96% tomato meter and a 90% audience score. Not bad. This movie's two hours and 47 minutes long, and it is in Russian. How about you tell us a little bit about it, Terry? Oh, uh, it's basically about this man. He's a psychologist, and they want him to go up to this weird planet called Solaris, where these people are studying it because they've been getting weird reports about like hallucinations and other weird things happening. So they want to send somebody with like a sound mind up there to figure out if it's worth continuing to explore or if it's just kind of not worth the expense that it costs to stay up there. And then, yeah, it gets weird from there. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a lot there because this is a two-hour movie, almost three hours. So I guess what what do you guys think about it just right off the bat? I think this guy wants to be a nature documentary maker. Yeah, he does fixate a lot on scenic shots, and that's kind of yeah, the first thing I noticed, too, was it, it looks really good, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think like the first like maybe 10 minutes of it feels like it's just like him following this guy around while he's just like looking at nature, and yeah, <laughs> it looks really good, and it is very slow, too, very slow-paced. So that's what I was going to say was, you know, before we went into this TV, you'd mentioned this guy's been compared to Kubrick, especially in his uh, pacing of things. But man, I I was not expecting it's like Kubrick slow on steroids. This is like Barry Lyndon, but (laughs) without all the dialogue of Barry Lyndon. It takes his time with everything. It's crazy. He does a lot of stuff in one take. It seems like there's like a slow pace, but it just keeps my attention because of the amazing cinematography yeah i do agree this does 
look really good. I like the aesthetic of it. I like the way it looks kind of like 2001 A Space Odyssey when they get to the space station, you know. You can tell he got a lot of inspiration from Kubrick in that movie, and I like that kind of feel and aesthetic. Well, he actually, I read that he didn't actually see 2001 until like after he'd finished this one. Really? Yeah. I think he would not be approve of being compared to Kubrick either. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he finds Kubrick's style very sterile and emotionless. What? <laughs> He pretty much does the same thing. I would say he even ups that for this film intentionally. You know, you you mentioned uh, all the nature shots earlier. I had literally just finished reading, as you said that, that he had intended specifically to show the the life-giving, vibrant nature of a planet and uh, Earth, you know, nature, contrasted directly to the emotionless, sterile environment of a spaceship. I think the difference here is that, you know, Kubrick doesn't really go much into like emotions, especially in 2001. It's not really about emotions of the characters, whereas in this movie, it's basically a love story kind of. I think it's a lot more about humanity, like internally, rather than where 2001, I feel, is more about humanity, like externally, what's going to happen to us as a whole. It's interesting because you say that there's more emotion in Solaris for the actual characters. Than there is in 2001 A Space Odyssey. But I would say that 2001 A Space Odyssey, at least when I was watching it, I experienced a lot more different emotions ranging from awe and fright, things like that myself, than I did watching Solaris. So it's kind of like an inverse. Watching 2001, the viewer experiences a whole lot of different emotions instead of the characters but with Solaris the characters have a lot more emotions than the viewer I kind of felt like I was just observing everything and wasn't really too invested in the characters I'd agree with that it feels I think it feels kind of like hypnotizing almost like with Solaris where I'm just like watching it every once in a while there'll be a tense moment that kind of like captures my attention but for the most part i'm just kind of like along for the ride like wow this looks really good it just feels so methodical and like there's just such a slow like burn to it that i'm i stare at the screen and (laughs) stuff happens and it's like this looks really good so what you said dan you experienced more emotions with space odyssey yeah well that's kind of a very grand epic story i guess that spans you know over thousands of years Whereas Solaris is more personalized on, um, what's that guy's name? Chris Kelvin. You get to see him, you know, kind of freaking out and dealing with the emotions of, you know, he's able to kind of connect with his dead wife again being on this planet and he's like losing his humanity because he knows she's not real, but he's still feeling all these emotions and stuff. It's interesting. So it's just a, a different kind of story there i definitely think that the whole him dealing with his dead wife coming back was by far the most interesting part of the film oh yeah she comes back she's been dead she's kind of like haunting him as how he remembers her they get into some weird stuff yeah you can see how it breaks the people who are on that space station because when he shows up the two dudes there are already kind of going nuts because they've already gone through it they're just kind of crazy and still there and then they watch him go through it and they're like she's not real man don't get attached but he does anyways you kind of get to see him become paranoid and that kind of stuff through it 
It's definitely the uh, the primary theme of the novel this is based on, in that science really limits and hinders the way we're able to communicate with an alien species, in theory. I guess it's kind of the whole point of it. So, the planet is considered the alien species, or the planet creates the alien species? I think the ocean is the alien species. Yeah, the ocean's like a brain, is what they keep saying. It has like the same, like, I don't know, neural patterns as a brain, and... That's the reason they're there. They're trying to make contact with it, but they haven't been able to. The ocean is contacting them in its own way, and it drives them crazy. Yeah, and like it doesn't seem to know what it's doing by like uh, bringing back things from their memories. Like, um, you know, I mean, in the case of the scientist, it's his dead wife. But in the case of the uh, not the scientist, Chris, the main guy, but the like the crazy mean scientist dude, you know, it was a little person in the beginning that was like. <laughs> Making a run for it out of his lab. <laughs> the ocean randomly picks something from their conscience and like plops it in there and is like, deal with this. <laughs> like it's trying to understand us as we're trying to understand it. Yeah, that's kind of what I took from it, is that it was trying to figure out how humanity works by watching it interact with stuff from its conscience. It reminds me a lot of movie Annihilation. I mean, I, I guess I can't really go too in-depth without spoiling Annihilation, but this... The themes that the, those movies deal with kind of reminds me of that. Did get a very Annihilation-y vibe out of this one, yeah. Have you guys seen any of this guy's other works at all? I had never even heard of this guy before you brought this one up, TV. Yeah, I hadn't either. I've heard of him, and I had a few of his movies on my watch list here on IMDb, but I just hadn't gotten around to watching any of them yet until this one so yeah i've got one other one of his it's a stalker is what it is and it's um it's kind of similar with like it's sci-fi but it's got like an overtone of more like what does humanity mean it's kind of more of like a personal i think he really likes to delve into these what makes us human kind of thing when presented with weird choices and stuff like that so is stalker a sci-fi movie then yeah it's kind of annihilation-y i guess because there's like this area that nobody's supposed to go into because it's weird and doesn't operate on the same level as everything else and if you get to like a certain point in there supposedly there's an area that will grant you any one wish sounds interesting it's very slow like this one but it is interesting i liked it quite a bit looks very good just like this one it seems like a lot of his work is um really kind of counter to the uh, the ideology of the uh, USSR, you know, where he was from and often where he was uh, working in. Well, didn't he get run out of the USSR because of his movies? He faced a lot of censorship issues. I know that the USSR was very skeptical about releasing these because they were too, like, introspective and spiritual almost well like in this one even like little things like um they keep making a big deal about like traveling to new cities which was a huge deal it was super difficult to move cities at that time in russia like it just seems like a little thing and we're like oh they're just moving but i mean it's like a big deal back then and it i don't know the people did not like that, that these people could just like travel at will wherever they wanted to go well russia's always had a really rich entertainment scene over there. Really? Yeah, yeah, they're really big in the poetry and uh, stage plays and stuff like that. So I'm not surprised that a movie like Solaris would come out of uh, Russia just because, I mean, it is a very poetic movie when you look at it, so it, it seems pretty fitting with uh, their output. Yeah, they do go on some like kind of deep tangential like, well, what is love? What does it mean to 
feel lost and like stuff like that. <laughs> it's just a, like conversation with each other. <laughs> it's pretty, it's interesting. I mean, these people are kind of all losing it a little bit. So I kind of took it as ramblings of like, they've had time to think about this weird phenomenon. And they're like, well, what does it mean? They're just trying to process it. See, to me, when watching that, those scenes where they just start spouting philosophical <laughs> thoughts and everything, it came across to me more like the director stepping in and being like here's what i think or whatever and i i gotta spell it out to you it did feel a little like i guess heavy-handed but he covers such like a broad like topic like it seems like every time they get together they bring up something slightly different than the time before and i was willing to go with it that what one guy would seem like he was drunk for <laughs> most of the ramblings they did it does seem like something a drunk guy would like come up and just start talking about <laughs> That's not to say it wasn't interesting. It just felt heavy-handed to me. It didn't feel really natural. That's going to sound weird given the context of the movie. I guess uh, one thing that I found really interesting, it's something I always find interesting when going back and watching these older sci-fi movies, is how they think people are going to look in the future and what they use for future gadgets and technology based off what they have at the time. One thing, though, that I didn't think it meshed too well was how everybody dressed. I don't know if it's because I'm so used to science fiction nowadays where everybody, you know, has the sci-fi look, but to me it just felt like the actors kind of came in wearing whatever they were wearing that day or whatever. Everything else, though, I thought was pretty interesting. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I think the biggest thing that I noticed that was kind of weird was, um, you know, this was 72, but there was a very distinct lack of computer monitors on this spaceship. Like, it was all just, like, circuit boards everywhere. I, I thought it was really weird, but interesting. You know, like, maybe this guy had... I never seen a computer monitor i don't know yeah they don't really use computers they talk on the tv a lot like to each other they have like facetime yeah it's like the jetsons like everyone talks on the tv the whole notion of like computers is not you know in the uh contemporary sense where we think of it as with a monitor and input pad rather than a screen where we have like a pre-made input that we insert so i thought some of their outfits kind of looked a bit han solo-ish yeah, the main guy definitely looked, he had like a jacket on that reminded me a lot of Han Solo. Like the leather jacket and the, the pants with like the stripe down the side and some weird buckles, you know. Looked like they may have got some ideas from this movie for Han Solo's outfit a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm looking at a photo of uh, Chris sitting on his bed with the gun and he's got like his black jacket on, that yellow mesh uh, shirt and then those pants or whatever and it's yeah it's a han solo outfit for sure pretty much yeah and half the time the main guy's kind of lounging in like his underwear and like his sleeping clothes <laughs> yeah he's got like a robe on that was so random towards in the third act there when it just cuts to him sitting in his underwear in the hallway the other two dudes have their clothes on like this guy just couldn't be bothered to put some pants on i guess well, his wife did kill herself outside, so he probably felt like he needed to go check that out right away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like as soon as he discovers like his wife, his ex-wife is alive on this spaceship, I mean, I guess after the first initial impression, <laughs> uh, the second time she shows up, he immediately is like, all right, I'm going to just chill here. I'm not going to worry about what I was sent here to do. I'm just going <laughs> to hang out here now and lounge around in bed and just relax, I guess. Get some time back. Yeah. 
Whereas well, the other two seem like they're still really like work. At least one of them, the mean guy is always working on something in his lab. Like he's taking the science stuff pretty seriously. And the other guy's kind of the man in the middle, I think. He's kind of had enough of everything that's gotten to him and he can't really focus on what he's supposed to do anymore. Yeah, they are all three very much like in contrast to each other. Like there's the mean guy who's like the super cold calculating scientist. We should just cut these manifestations of people up and see what happens. And the main dude's like, I love them. We can't hurt them. They might not be people, but I love them. And then the guy in the middle's like, I don't know. I, <laughs> It's complicated. So do we want to talk about the end? Yeah, sure. So like we get a shot of the guy going back to his house and he's walking up there and things are kind of off. The dad is under, he's like cooking or moving stuff, but there's water leaking into the house, you know, and then it just kind of pans out and he's actually down in the ocean of Solaris and it has kind of manifested and or created this area from his conscience, you know, of where the movie began. So what do you guys think about that? I guess we should explain how this happened. Like basically what this thing does is, yeah, it takes stuff out of your conscience and forms it. So the way they think they can fix this is either one of two ways is either shoot it full of radiation and hopefully kill it. Or shoot one of the crew members' entire consciousness into the ocean and, like, let it absorb everything so that it has something to, like, fixate on, I guess? I don't know. And so they end up doing that with Chris. Yeah. They're trying to communicate his, like, emotion and uh, passion, love for living creatures to it so that it'll stop, like, hurting them with weird manifestations. And so, yeah, it ends up making, like, a whole island, I guess. So what do you guys think about that? Good ending? Bad? I thought that... It was really good. I mean, when you think he's gone back to Earth, and then, like you said, he's walking the same path and stuff that uh, they spend a lot of time on at the beginning of the movie. And then he gets to the house. And what I really liked there was, you see him looking through the window. It's real creepy. And um, you see in his house, there's a leak that you don't know where it's coming from. It's just there really and leaking all over his books and his dad it what was cool was for me anyways watching it as soon as i saw that leak i knew something was off because i don't remember where it is in the film in the film it shows like when they're in the bathroom or something uh, the same exact same kind of leak coming from either the shower head or something in the bathroom when they were on the space station. So as soon as I saw that in his house, I knew something was up. And then it just slowly pans out as uh, Kreese is experiencing weirder things at his house. And then you see he's in the middle of the ocean. And I was like, oh, man, that's creepy. How I took it was going back to what we said earlier about him shooting the the either creases consciousness at the planet or whatever to get him to stop and then using what they called the annihilator to basically try and kill it off that scene didn't occur until after they shot the annihilator at the planet so my whole thinking of it is the planet was learning about their consciousness and stuff like that this whole time but it hadn't really done anything to outright harm anybody on the space station until after they shoot the annihilator at it and then the very last part of the movie is chris getting stuck in his own kind of purgatory 
on the planet or whatever. Hmm. Interesting. I kind of took it a different way where like, because they, I think they shoot his consciousness out there too. Yeah, they do that first. And I took it as Chris had like given up everything at home and to decide, he, I'm just going to stay on this planet forever. Like he'd rather just live in his fantasy rather than accept like the, the cold hard truth. Yeah, that's how I took it as well, because he was really bummed that like by the time he would get back from this mission, his dad would probably have died of old age. And he was like super pumped to see his dad alive on his little island there. Oh, man. When he like kneeled down and like just hugged his dad, like I was so sad. Oh, that was a pretty powerful scene. Yeah. I like your way though, too. I hadn't thought about it like that, that the planet had decided that, well, if you're going to do that to me, I'm going to do this to you kind of thing. It's cool that this movie can, I mean, any movie like this that can elicit such different thoughts on how it wrapped up and how it, I mean, both thoughts are valid points and you can justify them all through the film. So. I always find that kind of stuff interesting. I love sci-fi as a genre because, I mean, you can really easily explore these kind of topics and make these kind of awesome stories that can be, you know, you can take it in so many different ways and understand those themes in different different areas and ways. And I won't even pretend like I understand all the themes that he's like laying down because like it is long and it's super, it's like slow and dense and like it is hypnotizing so you kind of like get zoned in and you can like oh yeah i need to be paying attention but uh it still made me like yeah at the end like feel you know like oh i feel like if i watch this again i'd pick up more and more so definitely like every conversation in this movie is either some deeply emotional impactful scene or some kind of really deep philosophical debate so there's so many themes you could take away i mean it means something different to everyone i'm sure and I love these kind of movies that do that, that put the time and effort into their their script and the writing and the, the aesthetic and stuff that you can do that with the movie. I mean, a lot of people will watch this and be like, dude, that's crap, you know, because it's not, it's a lot slower and that kind of stuff. But if you are really kind of into movies and you like doing these themes and stuff, it's just right up your alley. Yeah, it's definitely not for like people who are, are looking for like a popcorn flick or something like this is more for like the more intensive moviegoer experience i think people who enjoy longer slow paced heady kind of stuff i guess you want to come out with a lot of questions in your head you know thinking about a lot of different themes you know pondering that kind of stuff this one definitely feels like it's almost three hours long when you're watching it not that that's a bad thing per se I do think they could have shortened it by a considerable amount to <laughs> make it a little more tight. Apparently they did remake this, and it, it's an hour and a half long. What? So. <laughs> Weird. Which I almost, like, I want to see the remake now, because I wonder if I'd like the remake better, since it's shorter. That's a really weird thing for me to say because I'm usually the one. All my favorite movies are like two and a half hours to four hours long. So it's, I don't know, it's interesting. I finally watched a long movie that I was like, yeah, they could have cut a lot of stuff out of that to tighten it up and make it not so long. I don't know if I felt it that bad. Like, I think it is a good idea maybe like when it does like chapter two to take a little break, but I really, I, I kind of enjoyed the pacing. Like, I don't know. It really just drew me into it just because the imagery was just 
I don't know, captivating. I just couldn't look away. You know, I think you know we've done some Kubrick comparisons, who also uh, is kind of known for some slower pacings. I feel like in a lot of those films, there is an intention behind the slow pacing. You know, the, the slow pacing itself drives the story forward. And I felt like a lot of times in this, he was really just showcasing the aesthetic and the visual, which is fine and all. But I wouldn't say it's like a Barry Lyndon grade visual, you know, of that capacity. Do you want to know why he does the slow pacing his reason behind it i think this is something i read somewhere on the internet so i don't know if this is exactly true lay it on me he basically sees it like with slower paced movies low slower paced scenes these long tracking shots he feels like the viewer can really extract like the artistic meaning behind the compositions and behind like the actors themselves their performances bleed through so much better when it's slow and long and just takes his time with everything. That's that's kind of his thought process behind it. I don't think he's wrong. I mean, he spends a ton of time doing like slow pans over paintings, if only, you know, just trying to show his reasoning, I think, for it. Which that was, I'll get to my main point in a second, but I didn't really get his what he was trying to say when he would just focus on those paintings for such a long time. What I took from it was the his wife was looking at those paintings and she was trying to understand like humanity. Humans drew this, like this is their art, this is how they express themselves. And she's trying to figure out what she is. She knows she's not human, but she feels human. And so she's trying to like analyze this art. And yeah, because Chris comes in and she's just like staring down this painting and he's like, hello, are you there? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was very deep in thought. That's what I took from that scene, at least. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I did see that um, there was a lot of paintings on the spaceship, like from the same artist, like from that one. There's a lot of references to like philosophical figures throughout. I felt like maybe he had some kind of meaning like about the artist himself, like the artist backed up his point about what is humanity or something. And to get every reference in this movie, you need to be familiar with like classic artists and philosophers. Probably wouldn't hurt, that's for sure. Kind of going back to the pacing of the movie and lingering on the slow shots, I do agree with his idea that when you take your time with it, it lets you absorb, like digest what's going on better. But to me, it felt like he was loitering around a lot in this film. I don't know, maybe he got caught up in the moment too, and he just would like, remain on shots longer than he needed to when it's not really indicating too much it's not necessarily a great comparison comparing it to 2001 even though we've been doing it the whole review but i just i think about the openings between the two films the 2001 opens with the awesome orchestral score of course and then the sun coming over the planet and everything and then this one opens with the just looking at water and the plants and stuff i guess the point i'm trying to make is with when kubrick shot there it's a very long drawn out thing you're listening to the music you're seeing the sun slowly come up and like he captures the entire point of his movie in that one sequence whereas in solaris when you're just looking at the water, you're just kind of looking at the water to be looking at it. I mean, later on, yeah, the water's the brain of the planet, but his opening shot doesn't really establish as much or give you as much to think about as Kubrick's does in 2001. And that's 
kind of my point with why I feel like he's loitering on a lot of shots because a lot of them felt to me like like that. He's just showing you this. There's not really as much you can gain from looking at it. Whereas in like 2001, every shot in 2001, there's something to gain from looking at it and taking a lot of time there. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think it's, I think if anything, Kubrick's a little like less vague about what he's trying to accomplish. Definitely. <laughs> Whereas Tarkovsky is, it's a little more, yeah, like open-ended and kind of like, it might be more about like the feel of the shot, not necessarily like what it means kind of thing. He's trying to set a mood, I think, most of the time. Like Kubrick, I think, can do that both, but I, I don't know. There's a lot more mysteriousness, I guess, around what exactly he's trying to accomplish. But I feel with more views, I might be able to like dissect it a bit better, but I don't know. That's real quick. What would you guys think of the score? Uh, when it popped up, I liked it. It is a very quiet movie. Not a lot of um, music. I did enjoy that. Yeah, that it was a subtle score, though. I think that really lent itself to the film. You know something weird's going on when yeah, the music does pop up. Or like it's an important moment. Yeah, exactly. It's a less is more situation. I didn't notice that there was no score until the score would pop up again. I'm like, you know, it hasn't really been doing anything until now. It's kind of interesting how easy you kind of get used to just observing this without needing the music to guide you, I guess. Which is a testament to his direction because I can't think of very many other movies that have such a lack of score in them as much as this one does. Like we keep comparing it to 2001, and that movie, the score is much a part of the movie as <laughs> everything else. Yeah, it's it's kind of two sides of the spectrum. Once again, I guess it's a good way to view it as it's like they do everything completely different, but they still come out with good results. So overall presentation now, sure. Yeah, let's do it. Sure. So I've come to an executive decision that I have been over-explaining the rating system every single time. I feel like it's very easy to tell no, what no, each no, one of no. means. You really need to get in the guts of what it is we're saying. <laughs> it is an executive decision. I have edited a many explanations, and it's always been like, okay, do people really need to know this? <laughs> so I'm just going to tell you our scale. So we have four choices from lowest to highest. We have burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it. So yeah, there they are. Wonderful. That was great. Thank you. you. Wow. A great uh, job explaining <laughs> it. I understand completely. <laughs> See, before I was doing the Tarkovsky style, and then just now I did it like modern cinema style. Ah. Dumb it down. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm a sucker for sci-fi movies. I, I love them. I love the themes you can explore in a science fiction movie and the ones that really make you think, you know, I, I also love star Wars and that kind of stuff, but I love the themes you can explore with movies like 2001 space odyssey, um, the original star Trek movies. And this is one of those movies that has a lot of those themes in it that you can explore. It's a long movie to watch. You kind of have to plan your day around it a little bit. Um, it's one of those but I like the aesthetic of it. I like some of the ideas it covers and the themes. If I found a cool, you know, deal on this movie, I would buy it. Otherwise, I'd say it's it's worth a watch if you also agree with me on your views on science fiction and movies. So is that a watch it or buy it? We need a hard answer here. No in between. Uh, all right, all right. I'm going to say watch it. Yeah, let's do a watch it. <laughs> 
you know, you definitely do have to plan your day around this one. Not that that's a bad thing. It's, you know, I mean, all the leads saying that it is worth watching. There's a lot of really cool things they do. Um, You know, in sci-fi, there's always films or books that are more fiction or more sci-fi. Or science, I mean. And I think this one really falls on the more science-y side, which is cool because it explores philosophy and psychology. There's um, a lot of really impressive camera work, and I enjoy the subtle score. That being said, <laughs> I think I'm not sure exactly who I could recommend this to outside of, you know, movie buffs like us. If you're just looking for a popcorn flick, this is not the movie for you. <laughs> I gotta give it a watch it. I, I, I could not, like, in good conscience buy this or tell someone else to just because I don't know if I need to ever see it again within the next, I don't know, eight to ten years. So, yeah, that's a watch it from Fox. I think the the main appeal for me for this movie is, yeah, that complexity of it and just, like, the visuals. There's just a vibe to it that I can really groove to, and it's just mesmerizing almost i just can't look away i think the concepts of like a weird space ocean that reads people's minds and creates things from it is kind of cool uh it's kind of creepy at times it's very deep a lot of the time i think i'm gonna give it a buy it but on the pretext that yeah it isn't for everyone for sure and it's definitely like a collector's piece for me i mean i could see myself well i'd watch this several times just like to keep digging deeper into it i think i'm curious to to watch it again even i think you also did buy it i do own it already so. <laughs> <laughs> i might as well huh <laughs> yeah there you go there you go that's the spirit you got to defend your purchase that's right. I, God knows I've never bought a movie that's never been a bite on my scale. Uh-huh. <laughs> never bought anything I wouldn't recommend wholeheartedly as a buy-it. Yep. Well, let's just do an episode where TV defends every movie he's ever purchased to us all. <laughs> uh, a series of what's in TV's collection. While we roast it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let's see. My final verdict on this one. I guess this year, really, I've kind of started judging movies a different way than I initially did, just because I've seen so many, and so many movies have been bad this year, especially. I've kind of started judging things on uh, if it disappointed me or not, really, when I go and see it. And then when I do that, I kind of hold them up to my favorites in the genre as well so this one definitely didn't disappoint me when i watched it but there wasn't there's a lot of stuff i liked in it but there was a lot of stuff i didn't care for as well like i said earlier i think he loiters a lot on a bunch of shots in the film i think he could have cut out i don't know 30 minutes at least to kind of tighten it up and make the pacing a little bit better. I'm really interested to watch the remake to see how they interpret it. And since it's so much shorter, I'm wondering if I'd like it more. The score, it's good when it's there. I think, personally, I wanted it a little bit more. I feel like I'm kind of nitpicking it a little bit, but for me, too, also, looking at the themes of humanity and stuff in this movie, there's others I've seen that I think do a little bit better job. The most interesting parts are when he's with his wife, who's been resurrected in a sense, and they're kind of talking about and exploring that 
ideal of what would you do with the time back? I think that's the most unique part in this film. Everything else in it, I think other movies do it a little bit better. So I really wanted to give this one a pass initially <laughs> when I when we first started. Whoa. Yeah, just because I thought that ev- there's a lot of stuff that does it better than this one. But after discussing it with you guys, I've kind of, I don't know, got more appreciation for it now, just seeing all the different viewpoints and exploring all the different stuff that comes out of it. So I'd say I'm also going to give this one a watch it for my official score, just because it is one you should see at least once. I'm probably not going to watch it again, just because, I don't know, it didn't grab me as much as other science fiction movies some that we've talked about already on here but um yeah i'm gonna go with the watch it i'm glad i watched it it didn't disappoint but i don't know it might also just not be the right type for me i'm not as in with the kind of hypnotizing effect type stuff that some directors go for too so i'll give it a watch it Oh man, I'm so glad we were managed to pull you up from a pass. And I'll be like, oh, my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that rounds out to a three dudes reviews. Watch it, right? Certified? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Solaris certified as a watch. It. Let me ask you guys this. After seeing this, are you interested in seeing anything else by this guy? Or are you kind of like, I think I get it? Oh, yeah. I'd watch more of this dude's stuff. Yeah. I'm interested to see what his other movies are like. I was just wondering, because they are very much the same pacing and stuff. This is one of his earlier works, right? Mm, he's only got like seven. Yeah, this one is. looks like it's one of his earlier ones. I'd, I'd be curious to see you know, how he develops as a director and what his later pieces look like. He has really cool ideas that I'm glad he explores. But I think, for me, I just I want to see if he tightens up his direction and focuses more on that cool idea so anybody know what they're picking for next week mother mother is what i need to watch oh boy (laughs) that would be that'd be an excellent one for discussion on (laughs) that's my pick god i've been dying to see it for so long sounds good works for me cool if any of you listeners want to get in contact with us you can reach us at three dudes reviews on facebook or on twitter or you can email us at three dudes reviews podcast at gmail.com yeah and let us know what you think of solaris and the deep meanings or if you think it's just a load of junk which could be possible (laughs) 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 we want to know yeah hit us up we'd love to hear from you oh yeah well thanks for tuning in tonight we really appreciate it this is three dudes reviews plus special guest dan yeah (laughs) signing off (laughs) 